Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Commas by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. Do you think it's fair to say that Portia Williams is potentially the best housewife to ever do it? <laughs> More than fair. I think it's safe to say that I don't really want to watch anything that Portia is not included in. You guys, Ultimate Girls Trip, I know we said it the last two seasons, and I, for one, did not think it could have gotten better than the Berkshires, but this Thailand trip blew it out of the fucking water. I feel like every season has given us such a different vibe. I don't know why I was like sort of putting it off watching and starting this season, I guess, because we just had so much going on in terms of Vanderpump. But when I sat down and I binged these four episodes in a row, I'm telling you, it was pure bliss. And I felt the exact same way I felt the last two seasons, like this is my favorite show. And Emma and I are texting each other one-liners. I am in my bed hysterically laughing out loud to myself, which I never, ever do. And this really brought me to that point. Pepsi. I mean, Pepsi alone. No, 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 no. This is the greatest content. And honestly, I know, you know, we'll put a pin in this because we're going to talk Vanderpump first and we will come back to this, which I can't wait. I almost feel like it's a reward to really be able to talk about it, especially because like you said, we both binge watched them today. Like, it's not like we've been sitting on this. We today sat down, watched all four episodes and have not discussed it yet. But honestly, biggest takeaway, this would have been an entirely different trip without Portia. Really. She was the MVP. And I love that they made her like the narrator and started it out as she was the onlooker. She was sort of the fan of the show and had sized up all the women before they came in and was like introducing the dynamics. It was just unbelievable. And Pepsi, I mean, cutest guy I've ever seen. (laughs) Pepsi gets Ketzel of the week. Have we ever said that about like Ketzel of the week? Do they know? Ketzel is a Yiddish term that technically translates to like a little cat, but my grandparents called me that my entire life. And so after my grandparents died, I just started now calling people Ketzels. Like if someone does something adorable, like for example, 
obviously my dad is Quetzal every day, but like Julian Isbell would do something adorable. And I'd be like, okay, Quetzal central. And now we have a thing like Quetzal of the week. <laughs> Pepsi is the Quetzal of the week. If people start using that term, my grandparents will be, I know they're looking down on us so oh proud. My God. We, we are repurposing Quetzal to talk about Pepsi. <laughs> We're doing right by our grandparents and our great grandparents and all of our ancestors. <laughs> How do we get there? This is, you guys can tell, you may already be able to tell. This is an episode being recorded at 1041 PM. So we have that late night energy. So shit's about to get chaotic. Buckle up. Okay, so without further ado, let us first get into some of the updates in the Vanderpump world, and then we'll get into the actual episode. But we got some updates. As we've had for the last three weeks, it's really been nonstop. No, and honestly, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. So the first piece of content we receive is Monday night, this TMZ video of Tom Sandoval in none other than a strip mall parking lot, not too dissimilar from the TMZ video we got of Raquel in front of the nail salon, also in a strip mall parking lot right before the reunion. And, you know, it's a roughly four-minute video. We will put the link in the description. But kind of the biggest takeaway is when Tom is asked if he regrets the cheating in the whole situation, he says, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. which just is a side note for a second. And if you watch the video, you'll see this. The videographer wasn't really familiar with the phrase hindsight is twenty twenty. So when Sandoval says that, the guy responds with like, oh, so you don't regret it. <laughs> so at the end of this video, it's Tom standing in this parking lot saying to the TMZ guy, do you know the phrase hindsight is twenty twenty? And Tom is then teaching him what that phrase means, which like, it just felt so fitting for, for the ridiculousness of this entire situation. <laughs> My favorite part of the video is that the first like half of it is Tom attempting to stuff a suitcase in the backseat of his car. <laughs> so he's like finagling it like 50 different angles and ways and trying to stuff it in, which is like, by nature, just sort of like an awkward, uncomfortable thing. So like for this photographer to be in his face asking him these questions and then there's this whole misunderstanding about hindsight is twenty twenty, and also Tom not really being able to comment on anything but like, of course, so excited to talk about his music and his upcoming tour dates. It's literally an SNL skit. Like you just – I know I've said it probably a billion times but like this is definition of you can't make this shit up. One thing about Tom Sandoval, he will be trying to shove a suitcase into some sort of a vehicle. <laughs> like, that motherfucker is always shoving a suitcase. What is he always carrying around? He just has a lot of luggage, a lot of luggage on that guy. Yeah, a lot of luggage. So that was the first thing we see. And I think, listen, the internet's response was kind of like, there's nothing he could say in this moment that will change anyone's opinion. Like if you actually watch the video, it's not that he says anything that's so terrible or so out of pocket. It's just that I think we as the viewers are like exhausted by his presence, you know? So he's not going to win. And that's why to me, if I'm him, I'm kind of not saying a word, but still, even in all of this and how intense I'm sure it even is for him, like you see that relevance is still so important to him. It's just like his overall demeanor, you know? I don't know. It's like he's acting like he accidentally spilled red wine on someone's white couch. I can't explain it, but he's just – he. it's just something about him. I don't know. So that's on Monday. And then on Tuesday, we have Lala co-hosting Jeff Lewis Live, and they really kind of get into it. Again, there's only so much they can say pre-reunion, but – 
Jeff is asking her everything. I mean, one thing about Jeff Lewis, he's going to grill whoever is on his show. And he's asking, do you think Tom Schwartz knew? And she's like, I definitely do. You know, the only way you didn't know is if you actively closed your eyes and covered your ears. She goes, because I knew. You'll see the season during regular filming before cameras went up. From experience, these two have crossed a line. That's what I was thinking. She's like, they were fucking each other. She goes, I didn't have any proof. I talked to Sheena about it. And she basically goes on to say that over the course of the last six or so months, various cast members had had the thought, but no one really expressed it because it seemed so far out. And she recalls this time, by the way, this is totally off camera, but she says, and I quote, I was seeing things that just didn't add up. And then I learned after it was confirmed, all of these things that everyone else saw, and they didn't think it was red flags. Like, for example, opening the door and seeing Raquel and Sandoval under the covers together. And they're like, oh, this is weird, but they're just best friends. Again, this was at some party off camera, but it is so interesting to hear that insight from Lala because that is the question we have been wondering. I really hope that at the reunion, they A, go down the complete laundry list of moments and things that now in hindsight are weird or that they noticed because I think they all had these maybe thoughts that came to their mind, but then thought, no, like that is too ridiculous because it is truly unbelievable. And B, sort of what they were thinking and the thoughts and like, did they have that thought? What were conversations? I mean, by the way, that little clip we saw in the trailer of Lala bringing up that thing we spoke about last week where Allie saw Tom and Raquel at the Abbey, like sort of dancing and being touchy and like Ariana's nowhere to be found. And it seems like Lala's confronting him. That might've been again before all of Scandaval. And she's sort of being like, that's inappropriate. Again, Lala also makes it clear like her and Ariana are are friends and they're totally cool with each other, but she never felt super close to her because she doesn't like Sandoval. So, you know, she's in an uncomfortable, weird position and is obviously going to fucking bat for her. But I I don't know. I need to hear them all answer for that and why it wasn't like discovered earlier or how they literally all blocked it out of their brains because it just it's like too insane to be true. Well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I don't think that any of them really allowed themselves to go down that thought process because they probably almost gaslit themselves into thinking that there was no way. So to your point, I do hope that at the reunion, Andy says to each one of them, are there any instances that you can specifically remember where you had this thought and then it quickly left your mind? And the second that that starts coming out, that will be so fascinating and also so fascinating to watch Raquel and Tom's facial reactions to hearing what everyone's saying. I mean, we there are so many layers to this. And I do think that in our coverage of Scandaval, we've done a really good job of considering all angles, you know, both in just our conversations, but also really outlining them on paper to try to wrap our heads around it. I am telling you right now, we don't even know the amount of angles that need to be considered. Once we see this reunion, I think our minds are going to be blown. Oh, I think we literally have no idea what's coming. Oh, and as it should be. I mean, the other conversation they were having here, which is something that has been floated, is is there a world in which Sandoval basically told Raquel that him and Ariana were in an open relationship? Which, whether or not that's the case, to me, it changes the story 0% because Raquel was close enough friends with Ariana to very clearly know that that was not something that she was on board with. So regardless of what he was telling her while potentially manipulative, still I don't think excuses anything, but also an interesting angle to consider, especially because as we know, from the second the VPR trailer dropped, Ariana has made it her mission to make the fact very known that they are 
not in an open relationship and for no one to get that twisted, which to me just makes the whole thing even more infuriating if that's a theory that is potentially true. And that's kind of what Lala seems to think. Yeah. I mean, her perspective is like Raquel is not the sharpest tool in the shed. Tom sort of used that against her and got his way and manipulated the entire situation to get what he wanted. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know where this goes from here. And I honestly am really excited and curious to hear them come on all these shows after the reunion. Like, honestly, okay. Alex Cooper posted on her stories that everyone has been asking for her to have Ariana on Call Her Daddy, but that they wouldn't be able to air it or and they could have the exclusive, but it wouldn't be able to air until after the reunion and all this stuff. I want Ariana to go and call her daddy after the reunion. Like, let's ask the follow-up questions. Let's get into the nitty-gritty. I, I just don't think I will ever be sick of hearing about it. And I feel like maybe she won't want to talk about it more. Maybe we'll get all our answers from the reunion. I just feel like there's no lack of content and there's no lack of like picking Ariana's brain about this subject because there will always be more. If this was a more typical celebrity scandal that was going on with non-reality stars, I would maybe have the take of, you know what, at a certain point, it's going to get so repetitive because they're going to say the same lines that the publicists have fed them and they'll talk about it, but it won't be with specifics. We are talking about the cast of Vanderpump Rules. Like, they are going to give us so much that I 1000% agree with you. If there is a world in which Ariana could do an exclusive interview post-reunion, I would eat that up. Not just today, not just tomorrow, six years down the line. Like, tell me those little things. Tell me what it was like when Tom walked through the door for the first time. Like, I completely agree with you. I can't speak for anyone else. I can only speak for myself. I will never get tired of hearing their perspectives of like, what was going on in the moment? How did you feel? And how do you continue to feel in the months following? Think about how much has happened even since last week when the reunion filmed. I mean, look, we have pages of notes and there's probably even more. I just feel like I just won't ever be sick of hearing about it. But I also can't stop thinking about all the answered questions. Like, what what was the phone call to Raquel when you found the video? What did Sheena say after that night? What Who reached out to you? Like, I just literally want to know fucking everything. Okay, so speaking of, you know, the updates of pages of notes, we have Monday, we have Tuesday, we're now on Wednesday. So Wednesday was Sheena at court for this hearing for the temporary restraining order, and Raquel was a no-show. So the temporary restraining order has officially been dropped, but keep in mind, it had been reported before this that at the reunion, apparently Raquel said that she wasn't going to move forward with the restraining order. Apparently she presented the dismissal documents. So, you know, Wednesday's hearing and her not showing up kind of made it official, but this is what we all thought was going to happen. I just want to read verbatim the statement from Sheena's lawyer. It said, this isn't reality TV. This is the real world. And Rachel's actions have real consequences. Rachel, parentheses, Raquel, filed a false police report, a false medical report, and a frivolous petition for a restraining order. Sheena didn't punch Rachel. Rachel didn't get a black eye. Sheena pushed Rachel, but only after Rachel grabbed her wrist, and Rachel did not suffer a concussion. When Rachel realized that she would lose in court and that she couldn't just drop it, she decided to not show up at all. We were prepared to expose Rachel's lies, but instead she will have to live knowing that she betrayed two of her best friends, Sheena and Ariana. Instead of accepting responsibility for her actions, Rachel shamefully tried to misuse our justice system to shift blame to Sheena. We are happy that Sheena is now vindicated. Which Sheena then walks out of the courthouse in this brown pantsuit and basically says a very similar thing to TMZ of like, 
yeah, this is pretty disgusting behavior. I'm talking with my lawyers about how we're going to proceed, but this is, you know, just an example of who Raquel is. And when asked what the question, is there any worlds in which you would be friends with her again? She's basically like, absolutely fucking not. She said, hell no, that's a hard no. Sheena came out swinging with her L Woods, I use legal jargon in everyday life. She was like not fucking around. She did her homework. She knew all the ins and outs of like what the case was, why she had to show up, everything that was happening. And she served it to them on a silver platter. I mean, I think this is probably very vindicating for her. It's probably very annoying that she was accused of these things, regardless of what happened or not. I'm sure we'll get the full story. But this is just, I mean, I, I just like can't get enough of Sheena coming out in her pantsuit giving a perfect statement and really, really, really serving Elle Woods getting into Harvard Law. Like what? Like it's hard. Also, <laughs> no, actually my favorite part is on her way to court, selfie video with like a perfect Instagram filter highlighting her falsy lash line. I'm like, <laughs> that is – that's a hustler you, right there. Get you a girl that can do it all. Yeah, yes, Exactly. Am I the biggest fan of Sheena? No, but what I said last week is really true. You know, our focus is on Ariana as it should be, but like Sheena went to bat for Raquel. They were really, really close. And this is a huge betrayal to her too. So, you know, in the scheme of things, is this a very small victory? Yes. And is that a weird word to even use to describe something that shouldn't have been going on in the first place? Also, yes. But I, I do think there was something even temporarily vindicating about walking out there and showing that she's kind of completely absolved of any wrongdoing. You know, like it's a momentary win among a f- absolute fucking shit show. But for that two minutes when she was walking out holding that umbrella, I was happy for her. I'll say it. I kind of love Sheena these days. I don't agree with her all the time, but I... From day one of Vanderpump Rules, she has her quirks and she does things I wouldn't necessarily agree with. But I think in her heart and soul, she's like a good person. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or 
bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you, or budget airlines with cheap fares but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. So then also on Wednesday, we have Ariana dropping her official Team Ariana merch. She posted a video on her stories. Keep in mind, she's in Canada filming the movie Buying Back My Daughter. And she's like, hey, guys, I'm on set, so I have to be quiet and I can't talk long. But I really wanted to share something exciting with you. If you go to this link, something cool is there. And we have all this merch, which I think people are supporting in the masses. And then I would say probably the most talked about paparazzi photos of the week I meant in the world of Vanderpump, like honestly, to me and all celebrity, this is clearly the ones that I cared about the most. This is the photos of Raquel leaving Tom and Ariana's house while Ariana is in Canada. And initially, all of the headlines were saying that you know Raquel leaves Tom Sandoval's house after having sleepover while Ariana in Canada. And after this initial speculation, a rep came out for Sandoval saying, Raquel certainly did not sleep over. She stopped by Tom's house on the way to her interview at Evolution Studios on Wednesday afternoon. The fact that they had to clarify was just showing how much backlash there was because I think people couldn't believe how much worse it could get. Like for her to be caught sleeping at their house that they share together while Ariana is clearly out of town was just like literally how much worse can it get? So, I mean, I guess this makes sense. Maybe she's picking up something. She, like, has a million bags. I have to say my favorite post about all of this, and there was a lot, and this is not sponsored, even though they have been a sponsor of our show before, was Bay's Shea Mitchell's brand because Raquel is holding the big weekender tote, which I have. Highly recommend it. And she's holding it, and they posted it and said, PSA, this is not a sponsored post. We provide the bag, not the baggage. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good one. I didn't even see that. Although I obviously saw the weekender. She had it in that in like the beige color. I the second I see that separate shoe compartment at the bottom, I know that I'm looking at a base weekender. Say what you want about Raquel, she packs smart. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's get into the actual Vanderpump episode, which like again, objectively an excellent episode, but on a scale, not like the best of the best, but wildly entertaining from start to finish. I mean, yeah, we're like just wasting our time again with more Raquel and Schwartz bullshit, which like I'm intrigued by, but I am spending the whole episode with a magnifying glass looking for any interaction between Raquel and Tom. I mean, again, I'll say, and I literally think we have said this every single week, Scandal aside, I would say, holy shit, this is such a good season. Like something about the Vanderpump Rules cast landing in Mexico just gets your adrenaline pumping like nothing else. I also wanted to make this clarification from last week's episode because one of the things that we were saying in last week's episode is it applies to Katie and her kind of refusing to give up the room to one of Sheena's bridesmaids. I think our take was like, I don't know, kind of a strange hill to die on. Like, get if you want to go to Mexico, it just feels like a weird way to make your mark. And some of the feedback of people being like, guys, obviously she had to go because it was the cast trip. 
I just want to clarify, of course I know that. I didn't expect her to not go to Mexico. I know that she's not in Mexico. She's not getting paid for those episodes being filmed. I was just saying there's a world in which she could have done it and not stayed at that exact resort in that exact same room. That's That was my only point. But it's not like the cameras are only in Mexico. Like, she doesn't lose work, I don't think. She could have had something else going on at home. They could have filmed her talking about everyone in Mexico, FaceTiming them, like, what's going on? She's home by herself. Christina Kelly is there with her. They have a lunch bitching about it. It's just, I don't think it has to do with the show. I mean, she's invited to Lisa Vanderpump's at tea party. She's not there. And that's part of the plot. You know, I think the more conflict, the better. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I know a lot of people said that of like, obviously, let's consider the elephant in the room. It's not that I hadn't considered it. I just thought if if being in Mexico was a priority, there was a way to do it without like <laughs> taking the bridesmaid's room. But may, maybe I'm alone in that. I, 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 my stance hasn't really changed. Like I still think it's kind of strange, but I don't know, to each of their own. Well, now I'm just happy she's there because next week I think we're going to see this celebratory moment between her and Schwartz for selling the house. And also the fact that she's like on the premises when this Raquel and Schwartz hookup goes down, I think just like heightens the entire situation because it's not like they're escaping and, you know, that feeling of like, oh, we're out of the country, we're on vacation. Like everything that they're sort of, I guess, quote, afraid of or the problems that come along with them hooking up is at the same resort as them. Yeah, everything kind of taking place in such close proximity to one another certainly contributed to the chaos, which is why I'm saying like net-net was Katie being there, better television, absolutely, <laughs> just like in real life. I don't know if it was the move, but I guess it's it's entertainment over anything at this point. The one scene I got to talk about is Ariana versus James. What a matchup. Listen, I know that James is a great reality TV and he can fight with the best of them, but my God, the way Ariana came for him was so like gratifying to witness. I think because they are the most like unevenly matched opponents, but also both go so hard in their lanes. It makes for like the perfect kind of fight conversation because Ariana is so like clear and level-headed and rational and just I don't know, really like thought out, but very fiery and passionate. And James is just like an absolute loose cannon. Mm -hmm. It's like, and they both don't back down. It's just like, oh my God, I could watch that all day. And also their relationship is sort of like, what even is it? Like we've never even seen them interact. (laughs) I know. I was watching this like, what, you guys know each other? Like that's how I felt. Right. I'm like, how'd you two meet? I know, I know. You know the other thing about this episode and really it was just so evident this this whole season and James is kind of admitting it in some ways. Like he is 100% not over Raquel. Not that he wants to be with her. I mean, I I do think that he genuinely loves Allie and I also think that he's happy to be out of the relationship with Raquel and from what we've seen, Allie seems to be a far more, you know, stand-up woman than Raquel is. But like he's bothered. He's, He's simply not unbothered and I think the thing about James that makes him so frustrating to watch yet also makes him such a good TV personality is that like instead of doing everything in his power to conceal him being unbothered or even admit it in a way that's vulnerable, he just does the most like self-destructive behavior. And it's it's so fascinating, like simply from an analysis perspective to just watch the way that he handles what really is coming from a place of just like, ah, this is kind of an uncomfortable situation and I don't really know how to act. 
I feel like he's just like obsessed. He always has one eye on Raquel. Like, is she watching us? What's she going to say? What's she thinking? And like, he does love Allie, but he also almost equally cares about like what Raquel's doing and thinking and what she thinks of them and how he's coming across to her. I mean, by the way, it's like, not like it's just one-sided. Even she's sitting at the table watching James and she's like, all I can think is like, I'm so glad that that's not me. Which like, yeah, obviously that's a natural, normal thought, but I, I don't know. I just feel like they are both very hung up on it and it's probably as expected, really hard to just be in a smaller group of friends slash a cast of a show with your ex-fiance a couple months after you call it off. Like that's that is I'm not saying. normal for anybody. And like say what you want about Raquel, it's it's rough. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. And at times they'll acknowledge it or maybe James will make an offhanded comment. But I wish they would just say, yeah, this is really strange. I don't necessarily know the best way to handle it. I'm trying to figure it out. But like he is so hell-bent on just making sure that he is consistently having more fun than she is or that in everyone else's eyes he's like coming out, quote, on top, that it just leads to this like total mess. Well, that's why I think he has such a boner for all this whole scandal situation because, like, now everyone's looking at her so negatively and he gets to really cash in on it every opportunity he can. And also, like, he doesn't love Sandoval either, so it's such a win-win for him. I think he probably feels similar, if not even more empowered by this than Lala does to sort of just, like, completely go in on them and finally have, like, an admissible reason that to open this door and let the floodgates roll in oh i think james kennedy at the reunion is gonna be unlike anything we've ever seen like i honestly think maybe out of anyone he could be the one going the most hard yeah i think him and lala are gonna be like on level 10 billion also i think it's really hard i mean for ali and james and raquel to not break the fourth wall in saying perhaps in a normal situation i would say hey can we not hang out with your ex so much even if you were in a like close friend group. But this is their job. This is their livelihood. Them being in the same room and being at these small gatherings and like showing up and doing things is literally the name of the game. So it puts her and all of them in a really hard position of like, I'm not going to cut out my whole friend group and my job to not be around my ex. But it's just like the whole dynamic is just incredible. I mean, also, they're at least at Vanderpump's and – James is like, in his confessional, why is Schwartz flirting with Raquel right in front of me? It's like, you all flirt with each other. Like, you think that's the craziest thing? You didn't see nothing yet. Yeah, you you have no idea what's coming for you. By the way, like to backtrack for a second, when they're at Schwartz and Sandy's and, you know, Raquel and Schwartz kind of have that moment. Like, yes, obviously, my entire focus, every fiber of my being is is tuned in to picking up on any like Scandival hints at the same time though. Like, yeah, if hypothetically they were in the men's bathroom and Schwartz decided to like make a move and we were to watch them make out against the stall, I would have eaten that shit up. Like I I think it's important for all of us not to forget who we were pre-Scandival. I know it's really hard because we are so into this, but like, let's not forget us a month or two ago being super into the Schwartz and Raquel stuff on some level. It is still so interesting to watch. Oh, us a month ago would be so jealous of us now getting to see this and getting even closer and seeing the preview of them kissing. We would have lost our shit. So the fact that that has now become the lowest on the totem pole is actually just wild. 
I just loved watching their interaction, even at Lisa's, that classic flirty thing where they keep bringing up Mexico, where he's like, oh, I have the LVP tattoo on my ass. Like, I'll show you in Mexico. And she says, oh, you should bring the galaxy light to Mexico. Like, sort of that subtle hinting that there will be maybe something going down once they get to Mexico because it's out of the country. It's fun. It's flirty. Like, that that's the place that perhaps something could go down between them. And I just, like, I picked up on that, and I was like, yeah, me a month ago would have eaten that up. Yeah, but also because we've all been there. Like it's 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 coded language. You know what I mean? Like you're basically saying, yes, yeah, yes, our future selves that know that we're going to be a little bit more uninhibited. It's you're, they were saying it without saying it, pretty much in plain sight. And I like totally respect and relate to that tactic. I mean, obviously not with them, but like in another situation when it's not them, I get it because it's it's so fun to like talk about a future environment where you know you're going to be a little bit more loose and you're just getting the thought in the other person's head. You're both kind of talking about it without really saying it. Oh, like, yes, yes, a million times yes. Weren't you so picking up on that and like eating it up? Yeah, obviously. That's like my fucking, that's like, you know, in in college, like before spring break. Honestly, in Mexico, I was about to say like where, but in Mexico, yeah, you know what I mean? Like you're at a frat with a guy and it's like, yeah, you know, like when we're in PV, like little do you fucking know. Right. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.
It just feels so good to be in Thailand. Something about the announcement that the next season of White Lotus will most likely be filmed in Thailand coming after the first episodes of Ultimate Girls Trip dropped felt so right. Yeah, Portia paving the way for Mike White like really makes a lot of sense. Do you think Mike White watched these episodes and said, yeah, I'll have what they're having? <laughs> yeah, I think he saw Pepsi and was like, all right, that's a wrap. Oh my God, cast Pepsi as the manager of the hotel. Yeah, Pepsi and White Lotus win. Literally, yes. <laughs> I mean, this is just the greatest show I've ever watched. You know, just as a recap, we have Whitney. <laughs> I mean, just the greatest show I've ever watched. Not what else to say. <laughs> we have Whitney, Heather, Candace, Giselle, Marisol, Alexia, Leah, and Portia. As I said in the beginning, if you're asking me the MVP, it is hands down Portia. She came in just absolutely ready to go. I think also, you know, we haven't seen her on Atlanta in a little bit and not that we ever forgot, but to be reminded in such a big way, just how phenomenal of a presence she is was such a joy. I just need to remind everybody that there was a point in time where Tinsley was supposed to be on this trip, but backed out and was replaced by Portia. I'm not saying it would have been bad. It just would have been very, very different. And I do want Tinsley back. I've been hearing and seeing some rumors that they're going to do, instead of New York Legacy, a sort of Ultimate Girls Trip style with old New York castmates where they go to Scary Island, which like, please, I can't even think about it until it's confirmed because it's too good to be true. But I just feel like Portia is breathing life into this show and was an incredible choice just, I don't know, the way she gets along with everyone, the energy she brings, and I'm specifically loving the dynamic between her and Giselle because they're hysterical, but the chat room aspect where they like were coworkers, they talked about so many different topics, they understand each other's point of view and their thoughts on everything, but they still haven't like spent a lot of quality time in person together as friends. So that is like a great, great element of all of this. I mean this with really no disrespect to Tinsley. I think she is a totally fine person, but it's almost offensive to Portia to even put them two on the same playing field in terms of who would have brought more to this show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're right. It's not that it would have been bad, but it would have objectively been worse. Like you, you can't compare it. Portia is unlike anyone else, you know? Like she's just, oh God, she is so fucking funny. I I was in heaven when she said to Pepsi, no, I'm not putting you in my omelet. You're always trying to get ate up. I I, I was literally like, I never am laughing out loud like that. I was fucking hysterical. (laughs) Like your camera roll must be just pictures of Portia in her confessional because Emma was pausing, taking pictures, Laughing out loud and also then turning every single thing Portia said into a meme about me and Julie. (laughs) And like we were just, oh my God, I was having the best time. I honestly wish we watched this together. Maybe next week we'll watch the next one together. But just that initial thrill when you're thrown into it and everyone's just being so funny. Oh my God, guys. I was just like, I was having the best, best, best time. And I, I just feel like It is so funny and unique to see the women give their perspectives on other issues of the shows, like, completely fresh. Like, it is the epitome of an outsider coming in. It really hit me when they're on the yacht and Leah goes over and is like, you're accusing her husband of sexual assault? 
And it's like, this is like such a deep layered issue that now we're hearing someone else talk about it. It felt like just a wild, wild out of body experience. And also how they can break the fourth wall and talk about their experiences, housewives, talk about chat room, talk about how it's changed their lives, talk about the fame element. Like all of that is just so refreshing and really flips the entire housewives formula on its head. That's what it is. It's not just the permission to break the fourth wall. It's actually the encouragement of breaking the fourth wall. Like that is what the producers want them to talk about. They know that that's what the audience wants and they have the complete ability to do so. It's totally kosher. We've never seen anything like that on Housewives. You know, it's very rare that that will come up and to have that fourth wall break be so normalized is like so fucking cool. I don't know how how else to explain it. It's just that, you know, for watching Housewives for how many years we've been watching now, there is something that's like very exciting about seeing them discuss it in such a transparent way. But I honestly just kind of want to go through and say some of the takes that have come to my mind while watching this. I did not write anything down. I know we have an outline here, but this is off the cuff. Like I'm in the mood to just kind of talk shit in the best way. Yeah, let's just fuck around. Yeah, let's just fuck around and find out. Okay, takeaway number one, and this is in no particular order, but I have to say that coming off of the Miami reunion where we were so critical of specifically Alexia, but kind of Marisol also, and really just expressing almost our sadness about how going into the season, they had been two of our favorites. We specifically adored them in person. And then that reunion was just like a really terrible display, again, specifically on Alexia's part. It was so refreshing to see them in this setting, because this was a setting where they thrive. Like without Adriana there, without them, you know, needing specifically Alexia to kind of like assert her dominance over Adriana, it was a completely different energy that they were bringing in. That is the Marisol Alexia that I fell in love with. I know. I was like really sad mourning my loss of how obsessed I was with them because I feel like once you see them in a certain light and once they express opinions that you so just disagree with so deeply it's really hard to go back from that but this I was like okay this is who I love this is what I want to see this is the dynamic I live and die for your humor your everything your perspectives on situations how Alexia can go from being so funny and silly and trying to get Pepsi to like help her out in the room but then immediately call out Giselle on you ask so many questions so you don't have to talk about yourself. Like that is the dynamic that I need to see. You are the girl who can do both. And this is more of what I need from you. And I know you are a girl's girl. And I guess just her hatred and issues with Adriana trumped all of that. But I agree. It was so refreshing and I was so happy to see them in this way. And honestly, I'm glad that I didn't watch this until after the reunion was done because I think it would be really hard to be viewing both at once because it's like it's two sides of the same people and I feel like I'm glad that I put the reunion behind me and now I can watch this for what it is yeah I mean I think that it's fair to watch this and say that in this particular setting they did happen to thrive even though I pretty much disagreed with every single thing that went on in the reunion but moving on to the other dynamic of Whitney and Heather I'm exhausted yeah like here's here's the thing I can't even give a take on what is going on between them because I so don't get it and also so don't care about the actual logistics associated with the Lisa Barlow rumor and what's going on with the registry in the church. Like that is just not something that I need to devote energy to giving a take on. But the one thing that I do want to say, and like I, I really want to convey this with sensitivity because I mean it with sensitivity. I think Heather's in a bad way. Like I think what we were witnessing here is a person that 
is really going through a rough spot. And I don't know exactly what's going on and I definitely don't want to speculate, but the the vibe I guess that I was getting is like it's almost as though she's losing herself or has lost herself a little. And I don't know if that's to the fame. I don't know if that's because of how ruthless social media can be. I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm telling you, like, this is not the same Heather that walked into season one of Salt Lake City Housewives. And I I really think she needs to surround herself with people that remind her who she is or maybe help her become who she wants to be. Because this right now is not a version that I think she would be proud of. She's just like lost in the swirl. I don't know what it is. It doesn't feel like the traditional caught up in the fame, but I do think that it's just like really sort of like changed her and given her a whole new priority and maybe a boost of confidence, but not in a good way. Like, I don't know. I obviously, I don't always trust Whitney, but with that perspective, I do. And I was glad that they were able to talk about that openly because even that is considered a fourth wall break on Housewives, talking about the fame and the show changing you and how it alters your life and the followers. Like comments like that are things that, again, really break it. Like you can't talk about Porsche having 7 million followers, like in a light way, of course, but the actual dynamics of it, I think that gets to real life. So I was glad they were able to get there, but I don't know. This was like really dark. I mean, the playing into the black eye thing, again, and seeing it in this environment where these other women who like are seeing it with fresh eyes are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you're going to give us theories. I thought you knew. And you're going to eat the scorpion because you don't want to say who gave you the black eye. It just it really brought me back to like a very frustrated, confused, sad place for Heather. I, I'm telling you, like, I really feel for her. Something is is going on there. You could tell it was, it was so apparent. And I, I don't know. It just – it was not good. And then like, you know, everything I just said may lead one to believe that like I was siding more with Whitney. I really just wasn't siding with either. Like it's a, it's a strange and kind of toxic dynamic I'm realizing. Yeah, they're, it, they're toxic. I saw someone tweet this. I'll find the tweet. But it was like Heather and Whitney are acting like they're cousins who used to play in the sandbox together. Like they're like 10th cousins and they didn't find it out until – a couple of years ago. So yeah, of course that is like a blood connection and that does make them closer. And I think that they loved to play that up because they were such close friends and they did have that like family bond of nothing could break us. We're the strongest relationship. And we felt that, but at this point it's like, maybe you have to let that go. Maybe it's putting too much pressure on your relationship. And I think Heather is just being really unreasonable and there's just too much that has happened. I don't know. It's really making my head spin. I care less about what they're fighting about, and I just like watching the other women get to experience this and be like, what the literal fuck is going on? Yeah, they're like, this is what goes on in Utah. Like, you can tell they they are really confused about the whole situation. Yeah. Also, I wasn't expecting By the way, Lisa- as we were. Yeah, I was about to say also, I wasn't expecting a little Lisa Barlow cameo. I never said no to that. No, but then Giselle and Heather trying to get Jen Shaw on FaceTime. Giselle really sat down and said, let's get Jen on the phone. Like, she was <laughs> about to put her on the stand again. But my favorite part about it was like, what if she answered? <laughs> oh my god, a Jen Shaw cameo on, while they're in Thailand would have set me over the edge. Set after me over the edge. after she pleads guilty and Heather hasn't spoken to her yet, that's that's some crazy shit. That was some crazy shit. But again, though, okay, here's a prime example. Right, follow me and tell me if you agree with this. Obviously, I have 
absolutely zero loyalty to Jen Shaw and there's not even an ounce of me that is on her side. However, if you're Heather and you really are this ride or die friend that you kind of say you are to her and you do feel about her in the way, to me, a prime example of getting swept up in the fame of it all is that the first time you're going to speak with your friend post her pleading guilty is on camera when she's being filmed with, you know, another housewife that you barely know. Like, couldn't Peacock have used that footage, hypothetically speaking? To me, that was a moment where Heather just got caught up in it. It would make good TV. It would satisfy Giselle. She went into this knowing that in her mind, Giselle was one of the heavy hitters. You know, she even made a few comments to Whitney of like, well, you're trying to just play with the cool girls. To me, that's like, if you, if you, I know we're all so anti-Gen Shaw that it's hard to think about it from that angle. But to me, I was like, this is kind of fucked up. Like, why are you, you know, following Giselle's wishes and orders before even considering, like, is this the right or fair thing to do to my friend? I think it is part partially fame, but I think it's all just an analogy for how Heather operates. She wants to be friends with whoever the cool girl is and not even the cool girl, whoever's in front of her, whoever is giving her attention and getting along with her. She will go out of her way and do whatever feels right in that very moment to make them like her the most and to feel close to her and to completely open up. But that doesn't work because then you end up shooting yourself in the foot when it comes to the next situation. Like she's only looking at what's happening in that very moment and she pleads her loyalty to that person, but you can't be loyal and do everything for everyone. Like, of course it's eventually going to fuck you over. And that's, I think what kind of happens is she wants to be a people pleaser for whoever's around her and be the most liked and, you know, do what they want and give them the gossip and give them the drama and give them her loyalty and give them the information. But like, you can't do that for everyone. It's just too much. And I feel like, I don't know, her desire to be so well-liked and accepted has overtaken. And then to get it completely mixed in with fame and that part of it is like, it's too much. Well, that's, I, I, yeah, it, it really is a cautionary tale about entering this type of situation when, you know, you yourself are kind of fragile. It's also like, Again, I, I really I, – I mean this like compassionately because I, I feel for her. As frustrating as she is to watch, like I genuinely was sad in watching her because to me, like if I really had to break it down, if you asked me to give the most reductive summary of what's going on with Heather, it's like she deeply lacks self-confidence. And so for what she lacks in terms of her own positive view of herself, she seeks in other people validating her. And it – it's yeah. just a really poor, it's a really unfortunate situation to get yourself into. By the way, I really want to talk about Leah and like pretty much nothing that I have to say is positive, but just to transition from the Heather to the Leah of it all. The other thing is like the way she was approaching Leah's sobriety was so bizarre. And then the comment that she made on the boat of, you know, yeah, I have friends who are alcoholics and I'm still funneling them drinks because they're asking me to. It's like, Oh, that was that was a rough watch. That was really hard because she, I think, feels like in some way it's a flex that, yep, I'm that good of a friend that I'll do even if it's the right thing. Like I'll help bury the body and I will do whatever they need even if it's like the wrong choice. And I want to be like, that's not it. That's not right. That's not what anyone wants to hear. Like it's just you're an enabler and you're – the, uh, a loyal friend to a detrimental fault and especially saying that to Leah who 
is an alcoholic and is an addict. Like it was so inappropriate. And even in the beginning when she was like saying that and then being like, oh yeah, I read your whole book because she wanted to be funny and make jokes with Leah in her way, but then also suck up to her and be like, yeah, I read your whole book and not realize that her word vomit and all of these things, when Leah puts two and two together, it just makes you look like a bad person. I was honestly appalled because then also showing Marisol's text, how they were dealing with Leah's sobriety, like in a such insensitive way and not understanding like the weight of it and how you you deal and act with people like that just to be supportive and not make jokes in that way at her, her detriment. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just really illustrated like a complete lack of experience in, in dealing with, you know, anyone who's struggling with, that type yeah. of situation it was yeah it was very much on display i mean that aside because obviously i really felt for leah in that like this this just reminded me of i, I don't know i hate it's like not fun for me to like dive so deep on the people that i can't stand like i would always much rather talk about like the porsches of it all you know like get let all day let me go into how much i fucking love them but if we're talking about leah yeah i kind of can't stand her i find her to be one of the most abrasive reality television presences that have ever graced our screens i i would say i disagree with 99 of everything that she does i think that she reacts in a way and then completely i i believe it was Portia that said this completely kind of reverts back to portraying this far more like innocent side of of someone that doesn't even recognize the person from 5 minutes ago and i just i think that it would be really hard for me to be in in a situation with her for an extended period of time or actually even a non extended period of time i find her really hard to like i'm trying to i'm trying to tread lightly but like it it's rough for me she's deeply abrasive you know, I actually do feel and see her redeeming qualities, and I think she is definitely way better in a smaller, like one-on-one or two-on-one situation than a group. Going into it, like even the whole, not the whole, like the beginning first episode when she was back, I felt like, okay, maybe we just needed this sort of breath away from her. Maybe that group of New York women clearly was not the crew that she needed to be rolling with. Like, it made no sense. So let's see her with this group dynamic, like the flashback to her trying to talk about sex and Ramona's running away. Like this group is down to talk about sex. So let's get it going. You're with people who are like you. And I felt reinvigorated. I felt like she's cool. She's here. She gets it. She's like so in on it all. And I was actually really happy to see her and like excited about it. It just went downhill really fast. And I don't think it's all her fault, but I just find her like, to be really sort of rude, like the part where she was like bored about the story. And I think she thinks it's like super sassy, fiery, like I'm a blunt, honest bitch in a good way. Like I think she thinks it's like sort of cool and it just lands flat. Yeah. I mean, the boring comment was definitely rude. And I think at the most basic level, kind of just like lacked general social skills, but also what Alexia was talking about was like objectively not a boring story. I understand that Leah had just maybe heard it in the car, so it felt repetitive to her. But those are the moments where I guess if you asked me to like really define what the quality is, I guess it would be almost immaturity of like, or this lack of understanding that the experience you're having doesn't necessarily equate to the experience everyone else at the table is having. And clearly if you're looking around and everyone else feels engaged, like maybe you just 
don't say anything and, and hear them out. I, it's I don't know. I she's not like a bad person. I don't I, I don't mean that. I just I don't know. I, I feel I feel like she's just at odds with herself constantly, and it's it's hard to watch. I don't know if it's like trying to be different and like be punchy and say something that's gonna start a conflict or just like having like diary of the mouth and feeling like I'm on camera I gotta say everything I'm thinking but like when she said that about the boring thing look was it the worst most offensive thing I've ever heard in my life obviously not but it was just like the idea of it I was thinking like if I had a nickel for every time I've heard Emma and Julie stories like we could all three tell all of each other's three stories like, yeah. I know exactly how you're going to tell it. I know your inflection. I know the words. I know every detail. I can fill it in for you. But, like, when we're at a new dinner party, I sit and listen to it. And you look at the other people's reactions and you just, like, to me, that is social skill 101. And it just felt like even if it was the most boring story, like, even if she was telling you, like, how she picked the color of her fucking bedroom paint, you just kind of deal with it. So then for her to do it on what I believe to be one of the most insane, interesting stories that they need to put a million movies about, it it was like, I don't know. It just sort of was a small example of her overall problem. I will say I do like her and Candace's dynamic together. Like that's when the two of them are together. I'm like, okay, I feel this. I like this. They're relating. They're talking. They're getting along. Like it feels copacetic so it's just it's very interesting but I honestly am glad she's there because I do think it adds a big mix-up and it adds some conflict I think for me just to go back for one second to what you said about Candace and Leah's friendship it's not that I necessarily like watching it or enjoy it so much it's more so clearly you can tell Leah derives a lot of safety from Candace's presence and like I can be happy for anyone that is in a situation where they feel really out of whack and then finds one person that makes them feel safe and calm. Like clearly that's what Candace is providing for her. And so, yeah, I totally think Candace brings out the best in her. So I, I can be happy about that. Other than that, I almost feel bad for Candace that she's kind of in this position where she's constantly defending her. But I think that that's what Candace wants to do. Like she wouldn't do it if she didn't, if she didn't want to. I just think we said it last season of Potomac, like Candace has really come out on top recently. And to me, this was no different you know, she's just, she's bringing it. Like the Shanita man should take a man. That is Candace's best. Like those are the moments when I love her the most. And I was rolling on the floor. On the fucking floor. I love Candace. And I honestly can't even get myself back in my mindset of when I really didn't like her. I think she's changed and grown a lot. And I just feel myself siding with her, empathizing with her and feeling like she is just a great character. I don't know. I I feel like defensive over her sometimes. I just really, I love her. And honestly, I love her and Giselle getting along. I I think they were really able to put, so far at least, the fights and the problems that they had, even though they were really big and legitimate ones, aside. And I actually give her a lot of credit because it wasn't just petty shit. It was like Giselle fucking with her husband to enjoy the trip. And I'm I'm so glad they did because, I mean, it's giving me so much joy. The only thing that could even be as good, if not better, would have been Karen Huger and Giselle getting along, but I I can't get too greedy. Yeah, I mean, let's not get crazy. I mean, honestly, though, probably one of the biggest takeaways from the entire four episodes so far is 
when Giselle says about Candace in her confessional, like, the thing about Candace is that she reacts. She's not the one that's going to start it. She just reacts, which I think that for a lot of diehard Potomac viewers, that was a very validating moment to hear in general, but also to hear coming from Giselle. I think it was like, yeah, that's what we've all been saying. And I think it took this fresh perspective and maybe this new group of women, not maybe for her to see it, but maybe for her to be able to voice it and realize it and be okay talking about it. Like it feels like, I don't know, less pressure and a greater understanding of Candace as a person. And also seeing that it's not only true with the group that they're always with, because I think that they really easily get stuck in certain patterns. It's almost like when you go to college and you can like not reinvent yourself, but you can be a little different or you're not stuck with the same like thoughts about you or reputation that you've had since you were like a little kid in elementary school. You're like, no, I I get to be a different person. And maybe you see other sides of you or they get to come out in a different way. That's what it's like when they're thrown in with these different women. You get to see, oh, she does that with everyone. It's not just with the women that she's used to being around. And I think that's when it was more apparent to her. Something about her her saying that just felt so right. Yeah. Also, you know, we didn't even talk about Candace revealing that her and Chris are having like serious issues. That must have been really hard to like have to leave for a trip for work when I think their biggest fight is about time and how much he's working. I just think that there's like a lot going on and I feel like they're at a very pivotal fork in the road in their relationship where they're dealing with potentially starting a family and both of their careers booming and also just like a lot of changes plus that Giselle rumor where Chris had to, without asking, become a huge part of the season and answer for himself it, it it probably was really unsettling and her having to be so far away with a group of women who she's not not only comfortable with who she doesn't know and her only quote sidekick there is Giselle who's not exactly her best friend and is sort of a instigator of some of these problems like that's hard I felt that for her yeah no I felt for her but I, I thought she handled herself really well she even got a pop star performance in before the fifth episode like I, she's doing great when they're all, you know, comparing her outfit to a loofah, I'm like, yeah, and what about it? Like, it's the best fucking loofah I've ever seen. Honestly, that's when I felt the most offensive. Not when she was crying about chat room, not when she was feeling homesick. When they started going in on her outfit, I was like, hey, keep my girl's name out of your mouth. Yeah, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Yeah, no. <laughs> also, wait, another thing that I, I wanted to mention, I know you said this earlier, but I just like want to emphasize it for a second. That moment at the table when Alexia says, yeah, Giselle, I see that you ask a lot of questions because you don't want to talk about yourself. And Candace, I think in that moment felt so fucking validated. Like that's when Candace says, yes, that's it. You know, because that is what so many women on Potomac have been saying. And then for Alexia coming in completely fresh, new, really not at all jaded to Giselle to say that, I think if you're Candace was like, almost as felt as though Alexia was a paid actor. The vindication happening on these trips must be so fulfilling. I mean, obviously it can be like hard, but for some people, like in this moment for Candace, it must be the best high Mm -hmm. of like, I didn't pay her to say that. She came to that all on her own. She was observing your actions for 48 hours and was able to come to that because in a home-based situation, it's like a dig or it's something that you've been thinking about. But Alexia has nothing to lose or gain. It's purely an observation. And that just proves 
what I've been saying is true. I, I just like, oh my God, I was like not even happy for her. I just felt that like I rest my case kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, e- exactly. Wait, just one thing that I wanted to mention regarding Leah, and you can tell me how you feel about this. When they did the flashback of her with Ramona and you see Ramona kind of being so disgusted over even just the mention of sex, I did have a moment where I said to myself, like, it's unfortunate that Leah was almost set up for failure in this way because I get it. She's from New York. Of course, she was going to be on New York Housewives. But that group of women just wasn't one that she was going to thrive in, you know? And I, it's funny because when I was watching back that scene, I was so much more on her side, as I think I was at the time. Like, obviously, she's a super sex positive, open person. And I respond really well to that and, you know, love that quality in a person. But the way that she was kind of villainized for that on New York almost set her up in a position where she was constantly on the defense. And I think her constantly being on the defense contributed to what was viewed as like harshness. You know, that's why I, when she was around this group of women and she was just so enjoying the fact that she could speak openly without judgment about those particular areas, I really was happy for her, but it just made me realize like, yes, that's a huge plus, but like, it's still, it's still not hidden, you know? I don't know. It's like, maybe it's twice that it's not the right group. Like, what if we had dropped her in the first season? Would she have thrived there? It's just, it's really hard to say. I think the New York season was just such a fucking dumpster fire disaster that we couldn't even form a good opinion about any of it. So I guess seeing that clip sort of out of context once we're out of the woods maybe gives fresh eyes to it. But regardless, overall, I am loving, loving, loving the season. I'm having the best time. It's the best breath of fresh air, enjoyable, funny, laugh out loud experience. And I just hope that they never stop making these because the combinations are endless. The destinations are endless. I mean, it's literally a Bravo lover's white Lotus. No, it is. It is my heaven. Like it is the greatest thing. I am so happy. I'm so grateful. I just... I love it so much. I really, I really had the best time and I feel so lucky that we get to talk about it. Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. 
With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot pet insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Okay, I know we had discussed ahead of time that we're just going to do really top-line thoughts on Jersey, really top-line thoughts on Summer House. I just don't have that much to say on Jersey, not because it was a bad episode. It wasn't. It was a great episode. A lot happened. It was super jam-packed. I am just exhausted of the Melissa, Teresa, Joe, Louis situation. And yeah, the Pizzagate thing, I guess, brought in some new information. The pajama thing brought in some new information. But I, I don't find enjoyment in dissecting this because I think they're both in the wrong. And I, I just can't see a resolve. It, like, it feels draining to continue to discuss. Yeah, I guess like the pizza thing was sort of a revelation, but it didn't really change much for me. It's all the same story in different fonts over and over. Also, okay, not to like completely pivot away from the Gorgas, why the fuck do they all care so much about Danielle and her brother's relationship? Like maybe he did stop talking to her because of Instagram. Maybe not. Maybe she's not talking about all the story. He's not a housewife. It's none of your business. You never even met her brother. Like, let it go. It's so bizarre how everyone is obsessed with it. It's like they are grasping for storylines. They all think that they need to have all this conflict and this gossip and chatter and address every single thing that they hear that each other has said about them. Like, yeah, of course, everyone's going to talk about each other. That's the name of the game. That's being a housewife. Like, it's so it's so weird to me and so phony. It's almost I feel as though they've all been brainwashed by watching Melissa and Joe and Teresa go at it for so long that they feel that all sibling dynamics and potential issues that arise are fair game. And like they're just not. You know, this this person is not at all a participant of the show. Danielle has discussed it to whatever extent she feels comfortable. And unless it is actively impacting your relationship with Danielle, I think it's a really strange hill to die on. I do. I completely agree with her. By the way, like, yeah, there probably is more to the story. That sounds like the weirdest story I've ever heard. But if that's the story she's telling and the way she's treating you isn't being impacted by that story, I I don't know. To me, it's saying, well, well, she's on reality TV. Like, that's not a fair excuse. Not to say some speculation wouldn't have naturally come up, but for that to be the thing that they're coming at her for, it has nothing to do with them. I mean, even with the Margaret stuff, they're going in circles about, well, you said Margaret has this arsenal of information and to be careful. Like, and? Uh, That's like, to me, the most throwaway comment. Like, yeah, maybe Margaret does have an arsenal. Honestly, I kind of think she prides herself on it. She has a little file cabinet in her brain. She digs through. Here's what I know about them. It's one of her best qualities and also one of her downfalls. And I think she would admit that. It's like, I just don't understand where, like, the problem is here. They're just – anytime every, anyone even 
mentions another woman, they have to go running and tell her. It's so, so weird. I feel like with Danielle and the brother, it's like, okay, it could be a two-second thing. I feel like there's more to the story with Danielle and her brother. I'll keep that in mind in my back pocket. Maybe I won't trust her with everything. Maybe I'll dig deeper. Maybe I'll take everything with a grain of salt. I'm on I'm on alert that raised my red flag. Next. Doesn't need to be a freaking storyline. I completely agree. Like really, really deeply bizarre. Also, by the way, I know every week we go back and forth on Louie. He's, he's a weird guy. <laughs> There's something a little off Really? There. I don't know. It's like, yeah, he's weird. Like he makes the pajama comment. But then – he like sits down with Melissa and is holding her hand and is like, I want to be a family. I want I just don't know if I believe him. It's like you're saying the right words, but you're not doing the actions. It's like I flip-flop every week, but I also flip-flop from every sentence to sentence, he says. No, like I one did. scene I'm Team Louie, and then one t- scene I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I just think net net overall, he's probably more positive for Teresa. Like, I just think at the end of the day, if you're counting it, he is more positive than we've seen. Do I think he's like the best in the world? No, but I think he's given more positive than negative, even if it's just to her demeanor and her overall life. Yeah, no, I I'm, I don't disagree with that. I just, I don't know. It, it's going to be hard for me to like have them show on the screen a video where a grown man is talking to the camera on an Instagram, you know, <laughs> About like like I just, when they made it, fun of that, yeah. It's just the, I don't know. There's a lot of preaching going on. It just sometimes feels a little bit preachy. But I agree with you. I don't think he's a, like a bad person, and I do think that some of the way he's impacted Teresa has been deeply positive. But you see, it still comes out of her. I mean, it's very uncomfortable when they're kind of arguing because he, I think, disagrees so strongly with the way that she handles things. Yet at the same time, he wants to express his loyalty towards her, but it almost then turns into him like reprimanding her and she both respects him and wants to kind of be on the same wavelength as him, but also wants to handle in the way that she wants to handle. Like it, I don't know. There's, it's very strange to watch in those, in those very few moments. Cause it's not common. They're typically on the same page, but when they're not, it's intense. <sighs> yeah. It's just, it's a lot. <laughs> do you want to talk about anyway, something else? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I guess my, most like top line takeaway. And I think I said something's kind of similar last week is that I went into the season. Of course, we all knew that there was a falling out between Lindsay and Danielle. And I think I said many times, if you were to ask me without knowing anything, whose side do I expect to be more on? It would be Danielle 10 out of 10 times. In the past, as I've said, I found her to be a really trustworthy narrator and I like her as a person. As I'm watching this, I think I'm getting a better understanding as to the way this all went down and kind of how their relationship dissolved, not necessarily because anything Danielle was saying was totally wrong or totally off, but the way in which she conveyed her points certainly contributed to the downfall of their relationship. Like this is not an all Lindsay problem. And again, that's like me coming in as someone who was like not the biggest fan of Lindsay, but I just, you can't blame Lindsay for this whole thing. Danielle is, I think from what we're seeing, like she wasn't that happy this summer. Clearly her and Robert's relationship is in a very shitty place. And whether or not she wants to, I think there's a part of her that's taking that out on Lindsay in addition to the very real hurt she's feeling. But the way that they're communicating with one another, it's like, it's not a good, I don't know. It's not good. 
Yeah, I, I agree with every single thing Danielle says, and I still ride or die for her. I think the problem here is like Lindsay can do no right, and that's not her fault almost. I think I've said this a million times, and I think what it really boils down to is like Lindsay became really annoying and got into like kind of an annoying relationship, and it completely changed both of their lives and their priorities and everything about them. And it's like, how do you subtly and delicately convey to someone like, hey, your relationship is annoying. You've ditched our friendship. You're a different person. Like, there's just no right way to do it. And Lindsay can't respond or do better when she's not being told what she's doing wrong. And Danielle, as a friend, like, can't really come right out and say them because there's not like a concrete fix. I feel like the Montauk is just an example of, of course, you would want to go to Montauk. Like, you looking at me and saying, why, if Carl's not there, is there any reason I'd ever want to go? Like, that is just one teeny tiny example of overall the issues. Yeah, I mean, a prime example is when they're at that dinner and Danielle says to her, you're curbing your drinking or intensity when you're around him. And Lindsay's like, yeah, but isn't that a good thing? And Danielle's like, well, I fell in love with you the way that you were. That's a prime example of like, if you strip down what Danielle's saying, it it doesn't land. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Lindsay wanting to drink a little bit less in the presence of the person she is madly in love with in order to help support him in his sobriety journey. Like, I don't know why we are all fucking holding her to the fire for that. What Danielle is saying is that it's negatively impacting her life because for her, someone that does not have a drinking problem, someone that is still, you know, has the same relationship with alcohol that she always has, the same relationship with going out that she always has, Lindsay drinking less is, in her eyes, making her less fun, thus making it a less enjoyable experience. But like, that that can't be Lindsay's fault. Like in that situation, right. she, she's allowed to do the thing that is helping to support her partner. And just to follow up on that, that's not to say that there aren't other aspects of Lindsay's personality that maybe have changed in a way that is potentially negative or that Danielle feels she totally lost herself. But because that's the angle that Danielle's coming at it, I can't fully subscribe to that because I don't agree. Oh, it's like, yes, I agree with everything you're saying. And I feel like I almost just understand Danielle and I can't I can't explain it, but I feel like there's part of it that Danielle can't put her finger on or she can't put into words that, yeah, what Lindsay is technically doing is right and it's not bad and she can't criticize it because it's it's a good thing on paper. But the way I think she feels Lindsay is doing it and expresses it is like just bothersome and maybe a little phony or just like so over the top and like everything all together, not just the drinking, that everything is just like a lot. And it, I just feel like the biggest issue is they're all really subtle, unspoken things that Lindsay is doing and saying and Danielle is just grasping at trying to not let Lindsay completely lose herself into this new like Lindsay and Carl as one person personality that they have and I think at this point she's realized like that's just not going to happen and yeah is it a little bit selfish totally but I also think there is an element of her being like a best friend if you can't be honest with your best friend who can you be honest with that she doesn't want her to lose herself in the mix and doesn't want her to get caught up of like are you really doing that to be happy who would she be if not to challenge that so I I don't know I just think it's all really hard she can't say, you guys are really fucking cringy and it's hard for me to be around you. That's what she wants right. to say. 
Like that is literally yeah. what she wants. Like to you guys say. are wants- so annoying. Yeah, like that exactly. But like, she, there's no worlds in which anything Danielle is going to say, she's not going to come off like a hater. And I, I really do sympathize yes. with her for that. Like it sucks. But it's just, I don't know, it's, it's it's rough. Bottom line is just that everyone needs to get out of this house for the summer. Like it's not it's not working in the way that it should. And I I really like most of no. the people involved. It's just not it's just not happening. No, it's Ooh. not happening. Anything else that you would like to mention? Oh, other than that fucking banger of an Atlanta trailer. A Kim Zolciak cameo? Are you okay? I thought I was gonna have to call an ambulance for you. I know. I I lost it over that. Oh, or Sheree taking them all to Portugal. I don't know. I just no one does it like Atlanta. And Drew and Ralph? <gasps> oh, I had such a reaction to seeing him on camera. Like, I really can't stand that guy. I'm 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 excited to see that side of the story play out for sure. Yeah. Also, one thing, you know how you were mentioning with Girls Trip, the fourth wall break of talking about how many followers someone has? Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? Remember when Sonny was doing the photo shoot and they kind of realized that part of the reason she invited Candy and not some of the other women is because of Candy's followers. That was an example of them mentioning it on the show in a way that kind of was a fourth wall break, but also made sense for the context. Right. Like Candy is famous. Yeah. Candy's Candy's not Bravo famous. Candy's famous. Candy's worldwide, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And that's you on the podcast at 1 a.m., folks. <laughs> Okay, well, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. And God bless Bravo. God bless Vanderpump. And we'll see you next week. We love you guys.